viewer discretion advised. Refrain from watching if you're short-tempered or get offended or annoyed easily, or if you're under the age of 18. Also, don't watch if you're touchy on the following subjects, such as mental health, suicide, firearms, veterans, dark humor, swearing, violence, war, small parts of political and world events. The host, co-hosts, and guests are not professionals, so anything mental or physical health-related topics mentioned on Asylum Arms, take with a grain of salt and contact your doctor or therapist for advice or questions on those subjects. Uh, welcome back to Nerds Asylum Arms. This is episode 31, apparently. Today we have, um, what do you want us to call us again? You again? I'm sorry. You call me Sang, like I sang, sang? a song. Yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry about that. We have Sang here. And but before it's a word from our sponsors, um, with Audible, the app is free and can be installed on all platforms, smartphones, tablets, and devices. You can listen across devices without losing your spot. And if you don't decide what you want to listen to, don't worry. You can keep your credits up to one year and use them to big the whole series if you like. Um, also, if you use our free, a free trial, or so, uh, our link that should be popping on the chat eventually. It gives you a 30 day free trial. It supports the podcast and you get free ebooks. So it's a win win situation. Anyways, that's a word from our sponsors. Let's go back to the episode of the podcast. So, would you like to tell us on what you've done in your time in the service? Uh, so, I've been in for 17 years now. I'm still currently still serving in Army National Guard. Uh, I've done two tours to Iraq. I've been, I was an 11 Bravo. I hold that as a secondary, uh, which is an infantryman. And now I'm a 31 Bravo, which is a military police officer. So I do that currently now. So are you still active then? Uh, actively reserve, yeah. Okay. So I got three more years and I retire. That's nice. So um, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, saying, and uh, yes, I, I realized uh, I wanted to ask you this uh, this this particular question, and it, what made you make make the choice from military police or from infantry to uh, military police? So, so in the infantry, I wanted to stay there, but uh, I got married. I had two kids at the time. I went back for a second deployment with the aviation unit. Um, didn't enjoy that deployment at all. Um, but uh, I, I've always wanted to go MP. Um, one of my closest friends on my first deployment was an MP. He was a filler for our de our deployment with the infantry, and there, you know, he, he 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 was such a good guy, and you know, I wanted to do law enforcement on the civilian side. So I was thinking to myself, you know, why not get the experience as an MP on the military side, which counts as more of federal. So I did that. Um, I then I joined the MP Corps back in 2014, and I, I don't regret it. Um, you know, my body is not the same as it was when I first joined at 18 years old, 17 years old, and and that was like the biggest decision why I left infantry. Is the infantry takes a toll on you? All those yeah. rucking, um, you know, all the rucking, all the field time, all all the carrying, all that crap, all the time. Uh, you know, it was just taking a toll on me and I felt it at a young age already. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to survive doing 20 years in the infantry. Uh, most of the guys that I know or I knew, 
um, they told me, they're like, hey, if you feel yourself breaking down already, then get out of the infantry. It's like, I'd rather you go still serve and do something else while you're still young than, you know, trying to push through something that's going to break you down and possibly end your career a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I took that with a grain of salt and I had to really think hard about it. I tried to go to military intel before. Um, they just never sent me to school and they kept playing too many games. I mean, if, if there's one thing uh, I, I would give advice to everybody who's thinking about joining is you always are in charge of your career up to a certain extent where people will block you, people will prevent you from doing stuff. And, you know, it is what it is. And mm. it's just how you bounce back from it. You can take it with the negativity, which a lot of soldiers, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of Marines, a lot of sailors, coasties, airmen and all that, you know, they're just so bitter and negative and they hate the military. They're like, man, I don't know why I joined in the first place. And, you know, they join with the sincerity of, I'm going to serve my country. And we lose track of that for selfish reasons. So, and I, I can understand that, you know, but hey, if, if you can't hack it, then do your time and get out. They tell you that in boot camp. I, tell you, I, I was told that by all my drill sergeants. Like, hey, this is this is your opportunity right now. If you can't hack it in infantry, let us know. We'll, we'll reclassify you somewhere else. You don't have to be an infantryman. Right. I mean, it was back in 2006. So we were really desperate for numbers going to Iraq and <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> um, it's very well said, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong there. So, um, um so real says, quick don't judge your career. Yeah. With your experience in one command. That's very true. Uh, I've had multiple soldiers like stay within one unit especially like an MP core right now. And I'm not going to say what unit I'm in, um, but they're like, you know, F this unit, F this unit. I'm like, look, you haven't experienced any other unit yet. Go ahead and transfer out. Don't end your career early. Don't, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. If you're not happy here in this unit, go to another unit. You never know. Out of all all the, um, Jobs and stuff you tell with the military, which one's your favorite and which one's your least favorite? I'm going to say I miss the camaraderie in the infantry. A hundred percent. You know, it's a brotherhood that you can never take away. You put your life on a line, you take a bullet for somebody. And, you know, my daughter's godfather, which is the same guy I'm talking about, who's the MP. You know, you know, he's forever going to be my friend. He's forever going to be my brother in arms. You know, we put our lives on each other all the time. And that's something that with peacetime, you lose track of. You know, you go out there and you're like, it could be your day any day. Mm. It could be. And and then when it comes to peacetime, it's like, oh, it's just another guy I got to work with. And it kind of sucks. So in the infantry, camaraderie like brotherhood, you know, you're more than just another soldier. You're my brother. Uh, in the MP Corps, I love how everybody tries to stay professional um, because we're law enforcement on the, on, the, on the military side. I love that fact. I love how they try to stay motivated when times really suck. I know that. And the same thing in the infantry, you just embrace the suck. But it's like a different kind of suck in the MP Corps. <laughs> 
So I, I give them that. Um, and my least favorite experience was probably on my second deployment with the aviation unit. Like I said, I had a terrible experience. Um, you know, Sergeant Major called CID on us for stealing when when contractors were giving all these mechanics tools and everything. And it was just really bad experience. Oh, what um, is the CID? CID? Uh, it's the Criminal Investigation Department. Okay. Kind of like uh, NCIS for the Navy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and- like, you know, like that's wrong. Your own Sergeant Major, right, for the battalion um calling calling cid on us like you you so the the story behind that is uh i was with the mechanic unit in aviation and aviation is a wheel mechanics they were given tools by uh, contractors mechanic contractors out there because we were downsizing right uh we were part of operation new dawn when we, when we got when we started our mission it was still operation iraqi freedom and then it was operation, it transitioned to Operation New Dawn, which was the pulling out of Iraq. So contractors were leaving left and right. Their contracts were ending. They're sending them back home or they were just out of work and everything. And they have brand yeah. new tools. I'm talking about these are like $800 to $1,500 tool sets, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like, here, you can have them. So <laughs> they, they, they took them, you know, arm, army guys are going to take them. Any military person would. Especially if you say you could just have them, right? Yeah. So you take them, they like, you know, label maker, put your name on it, claimed it. They put it into a connex, you know, and they're like, all right, well, this, this is going to be one of the first connex to get sent back home. I claim these tools. Sergeant Major got wind of it, came down with the XO. The BC was on leave already. Came down with the XO and XO was a bit timid. And Sergeant Major was all like, where all these tools come from? And they explained to him, like, came from the contractors. They're like, well, is it on their books? If it's on the army books, or is it their own, um, their own, uh, their own money from the contracting company? Because if it was military money, then it belongs to the military. So technically, you're stealing from the military, kind of. Well, they went back to the contractors, got a memo from them, and saying like, hey, yeah, we gave them the tools. They're just going to send them back down to Baghdad and derm them, which is melt them, destroy them. So sorry, majors are like, no, they're on army books because the military funded it. Like you, you got to give it back. And it's like, okay, we'll, we'll give it back then. Three hours later, while it was during a work day, he comes back and puts a lock of his own from the codex and does not give them the opportunity to turn it back in. A big old giant investigation happens. You know, a, a lot of, a lot of the soldiers there got treated like criminals. Like you were stealing, you know, it was, and it was just so bad. The battalion commander came down, came back from leave, had no idea what was going on. It was like, he apologized to every single one of us. Like, I'm so sorry this happened. Like, you know, Sergeant Major, you're going to, you're banned from, from them, period. You're not going to harass them anymore. And then they, he told every single one of us, if Sergeant Major even remotely gets close to our working areas, come tell me right away. Open door policy. Come right now. At least tell me this guy got fired or running up or something. <laughs> so he he got a he got he got reprimanded. He left the unit early, right? Um, but the investigation went on. Uh, our platoon sergeant and our first sergeant were removed from Iraq early. Also, uh, really sucks for the first sergeant. You know, 
he had his diamond and he lost his diamond, not necessarily a rank per se, but he lost a position of leadership. So he, he b- bumped down to a master sergeant. It's still an E8, but yeah, he lost his diamond in, and he was forced to retire as a master sergeant instead of a first sergeant. Hmm. Um, but, but the platoon sergeant, he just got like a slap on the wrist, got sent home early from Iraq and then moved on from there. Oh, same thing with the company commander. Yeah, the company commander got a bad OER, which is like a, a review evaluation for officers. And once you get one of those, you're not getting promoted at all anymore. Ask Captain. Yeah. So that's just so, a career ender right there, basically. Yeah, it, like I said, it it was just a bad deployment. Probably one of my worst experience. I, I was like, I'll never go back. Uh, I had one soldier, she stayed there and She's had nothing but a horrible time there. And I've, you know, she's friends with my wife. And I told her, my wife keeps me updated. I don't really talk to her. And my, my wife's like, yeah, she did this and did that. And this is happening. I'm like, then leave the freaking company. <laughs> like, you have an open contract. Is nothing binding you to that country. Transfer out. It's like, so I, you know, I'll, I'll never, it was such a bad experience in, in the aviation unit that uh, I'll never go back. Me personally, me personally, anybody who wants to join the aviation unit, you got experience for yourself, but just, just, that's just me on a personal level. Yeah. <laughs> Someone coming from somebody that served, served as army aviation or in a facet of army aviation. I, I, I can say this for, for a fact, anybody in the army aviation is a bunch of backstabbers. Oh, coming from the infantry to the aviation, I, I couldn't believe the camaraderie was so bad. I just couldn't believe it. You know, as simple as, hey, I forgot, I forgot my credit card. Can you spot me for like a pizza or a sandwich? Because we yeah. had like Pizza Hut and stuff out there. Oh, this is this this is a true story. Like, I forgot, I forgot my whole entire wallet <laughs> back at the back in my room. And I was like, hey, like, can you spot me for this pizza? I, I like, I forgot my wallet. Oh, sorry, bro. My birthday just passed. And I just bought myself an Xbox 360. And, you know, that was kind of like a present to myself. I don't have any money. I'm like, we're four, <laughs> we're, we're four months into deployment and you don't have money? That doesn't like, make sense. And it's not like I'm asking you to spot me. I'm not paying you back. Like, I'm literally, I will give you cash once we get back to our room. And he said, I'm so sorry, bro. I don't got the money. I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> and and uh, like that right there was oh, just one person. And I was like, yeah. Mm-mm. So, you know, uh, you know, it was back in 2010 during the recession. So I was hurting for money. So I was sucking up a whole lot of pain. Oh, the suck was embracing the suck was so real just because I needed the money. I needed the deployment. Uh, just to keep everything paid <laughs> at home. My wife was, you know, my wife just had our second daughter. So I needed it pretty bad to get out of debt. And then mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, it sucks so bad. <laughs> I couldn't tell you how much it sucks. You know, not taking away from anybody else who's, who enjoyed that deployment per se. I mean, I know, I know my roommate, he was a welder and he had the time of his life just welding. I mean, minus the investigation, you know, I kept up with him a little bit when we got back and, he says, he says, ah, it wasn't too bad. 
So in um, your eyes, what was your like, I guess, besides the whole investigation situation, what was your like worst sucking up moment? Hmm. The worst sucking up moment. That is a good one. Um, I can say one from each deployment. Uh, the first one was getting mortared. Oh, that, that, really that, that would suck. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, I forgot what base we were leaving out of. I think it was Baghdad. And so uh, communication was terrible back then. Back in 2007, 2008. Like comms between like your internal comms of your convoy. And then comms of like the whole entire country. So you had two sets of comms out there. And the comms for the whole entire country really was bad. Like, I don't know why nobody was like either listening to the radio or the, the crypto was wrong and they weren't like loading up the updated crypto or nothing. But so what happened was we were, we were leaving, trying to go back down to Kuwait. We were, we were done with our mission, uh, escorting all these empty trucks for this convoy security. Uh, the first convoy left. They stopped about three miles out talking about a PIED which is a possible IED. So they stopped, but the base still sent us out. <laughs> so mm. we were the second convoy and these convoys are not short. <laughs> they're freaking long. They're at least like 15 to like, I mean, they're sometimes 15 miles long, but most of the time they're about three to five miles long, a full of trucks, either gun trucks and supply trucks, uh, all these semis. So we got sent out and we got stuck right behind them. And we're like, oh, yeah, cool. We're stuck here now because of PIED. Anybody who's ever deployed EOD takes forever. I mean, they were right there on base and they still took three and a half hours to get out. They were, their estimated time was still three and a half hours. To cut, to a get long to, ass time. Just to get outside the base. Like, I don't know. God, like, imagine if you're off base. <laughs> uh, when you're off base, I've heard of eight hour waits. Mm hmm. For PIED. And so you'll hear stories from guys where like, yeah, cancel EOD and they end up, end up pushing through or they shoot it. Mm -hmm. Which we've done a couple times. We've done that a couple times on PIEDs. We just roll through it or roll around it or we shoot it. Yeah, we're like, we're not waiting. It's like, we're just sitting here for eight hours. No. So, so we pushed out and then we stopped and we radioed it up on the main channel. Like, hey, don't let any more convoys out. We're stuck here. Well, the third convoy comes out because <laughs> it's normally about 45 minutes per convoy to go out the gate. And they, we were like running short on supplies all over the entire country. So like they were pushing out supplies as much as they can. So the third convoy comes out and the third convoy gets stuck behind us. They call up a PIED also. God. They're like, great. <laughs> like we're stuck in between two, two, PIEDs, two PIEDs and two convoys. Uh, the fourth truck, the fourth convoy rolled out, but they were stuck literally at the gate. Like they, they couldn't even leave the gate pretty much. Uh, next thing you know, I believe the second PIED went off because there's a flash behind us. Next thing you know, we're getting mortared. And I was in an yeah. ASV, which is an armored support vehicle. And it holds the 50 cal and the Mark 19. And inside, the gunner's inside the hatch. And you'll have night vision and regular vision. I was on my night vision because it was already dark how long we were waiting. 
and I'm scanning my sectors and everything, you know, making sure it's all clear. Next thing you know, a flash goes off, like a big boom, a flash goes off. I feel like small, small vibration. It's not too much of a vibration, but mostly what scared the hell out of me was your night vision goes off. It has a safety feature where if something's too bright, it will automatically shut off. Yeah. So you, you imagine how scary that is, like peeping through a little night vision hole, like just scanning the area. Then, you know, big flash, you feel, feel a little rumble. You're like, oh, crap, what the hell just happened? And then I hear all the debris just hitting my vehicle. And I'm like checking myself like, oh, crap, what happened? What happened? Is, it, is any good military person who's overseas knows like when you get hit like that, you got to check yourself. Well, yeah, at that point, metal. Is that that point, that's all adrenaline at that point. Yeah. So you got to check yourself for strap metal, right? I'm trying to see if I have any warm spots. I'm wiggling my toes, wiggling my fingers, turning my head left and right. I'm like, good. I'm not hit. But I was like, and then my truck commander was all like, what happened? I'm like, I think we got mortared. I'm like, I can't see crap. Like, so what, what do I do? He's like, poke your head out. I'm like, after all that debris just hit the truck, you really want me to poke my head out? Like, you're dumb. <laughs> me and my truck commander had a small argument at the same time. And he, like, I hear the radio just going off. Like everybody's just, when, when panic mode seeps in, panic mode seeps in hard. And it's just so noisy where I threw my headset off. And I'm like, if you need me, yell at me. Cause I just couldn't bear hearing everybody over the comms. And then I look through the regular site and I'm seeing more flashes and I'm seeing them walk in, walk in more and more and more. I'm guessing they came from a truck because most of the time when you get hit and then you, they, they start walking in more, it's normally a truck like driving really slow, just dropping as many mortars as they can. Uh, but that was probably like the most scariest time of my life. And like that, yeah, <laughs> that was not a good experience. And then after that, after the chatter calmed down, I'm hearing everybody yelling at each other. You need to move, move out. Like get the fuck on the road already. Like we're getting mortared. We can't sit here. Like that's not our SOP. You're getting mortared. You need to move. Yeah, You're just sitting ducks. So we, we started moving out. Finally, that's when I put my headset back on and talked to them normal. And uh, luckily, nobody was hurt. You know, nobody was killed. Nobody was hurt. I was real happy. That's about good. That. Yeah, these guys are not very accurate when they start mortaring from a moving truck. So um, we have a question from chat. Yes. So while we were deployed, we had the MWR. I'm not sure what it's called for the Army. But they would charge us $22 for an energy drink. Did you ever run into something like Hell that? no. No, 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 no. Hell no. Um. We had the MWR and they were giving out free stuff all the time. Uh, we had a, what is it called? We had another yard that were giving out supplies, right? Uh, for free. Like they literally like rippets, jerky, chips. Oh, I hate rippets, by the way. It's a, it's a form of energy drinks. That, that's PTSD right. on its own right there. Oh, they're not good. They're not good. No, they're disgusting. And then if, you really, if anybody wants to try them, you can go find them at a 99 cent store or the Dollar Tree. <laughs> That's the only place you really can find them. <laughs> yeah, they're, just, they're there for you know, a reason. Exactly. So, <laughs> but no, MWR was giving stuff for free all the time. I mean, you can go inside the PX or the, or the NEX uh, for the Navy. They call them the NEX. And you can go buy energy drinks, but there are not $22 in energy drink. Yeah, somebody was, somebody was ripping you off if you were paying $22 for an energy drink. So about how big are one of these convoys? 
It most of them comprise of a minimum four trucks, uh, four armored Humvees with weapons on them, and it could be anywhere between three to five supply trucks in between each truck. So these are decent sized convoys. Then. Yeah, they're very very long. So when we have so communication is always key because we you know we have we have flat tires and the supply trucks have flat tires, and they were they were foreign nationals who were driving the trucks. They weren't our guys. I think mm-hmm. I've only escorted one time with the Air Force. And yeah, like it was it was horrible. Air Force, no, no offense to like the Air Force, but you guys don't know how to talk on the radio. <laughs> There's no radio etiquette <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I said, it, it was decent. It was a couple miles with these convoys. And if one breaks down, we're just sitting out there. Literally. You can take that with K. K is A Force. So you can take it out with K. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Like I've worked with a lot of airmen. Um and yeah, no. <laughs> I think Hawkeye takes the cake with working with airmen uh, between the two of you. No? No, 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 no. I worked with Air Force work officers. Oh, officers. Okay. Oh. Never mind. Pilots. He was um, air traffic control. You, you know what, though? Air Force officers are a lot more humble than I expected compared to, like, Army officers. Army officers always have, like, a chip on their shoulder where they have to prove something. They want to act like NCOs sometimes. And it's like, hey, take a step back. Yeah. <laughs> Especially take brand new back. lieutenants. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you just struck so. a chord there with me. Uh, ow! <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's like it's like uh, it's like because they well, you know, I understand why they want to act like NCOs. They they just came out of OCS. They just kind of bullock and stuff, and you know they're trained to be leaders. Well, you're a brand new lieutenant, right? So you're at the bottom of the, the officer corps, just like a private would, right? So it's whatever officer stuff needs to be done. You're de- dealing with all that stuff, right? If the captain, the company commander wants stuff done, here you go. Here's a silver platter, right? It's the mm-hmm. same thing with a private. The same with the private on the enlisted side, right? Hey, I need this done. I need that done. Bye. Go get it done, mm-hmm. right? Um, you end up becoming but, real good at paperwork. Yes, I, I don't envy that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't envy that at all. I, I've I've worked as a platoon sergeant slash platoon leader at the same time on one of my ATs, and I hated it. <laughs> Being in the field for two weeks uh, as both, you know, doing the operation side and the execution side sucks. <laughs> because mm. I'm first one up. I'm I wasn't normally the first one up in the morning, but I was always the last one going to bed because I'm the one coordinating, seeing where my troops are going to go, you know, the here, there, and I'm like. Oh, it's like, and then all my, I had literally no other NCOs. They were, they all got promoted. So they went to like all leadership schools or they, they were, um, COVID at the time it was the COVID thing. Mm-hmm. So I was like the last NCO there. And I was like, guess what? You're going to be platoon sergeant. And my platoon, my platoon leader, my PL, he was in Bullock at the time. So he wasn't there either. Shit. Oh. So like, how late were you up some of those nights then? Uh, I would try to bed my guys down as soon as possible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's so much easier 
to gather everybody and then give out information. But I'm, I'm an infantryman. So we work from the bottom up no matter what. So, and then also the way back down. So I was like, I had designated squad leaders who were not NCOs. And so I would give them info and I'll be like, you need to pass this down to you guys. And none of them are going to bed until they get this information. Once they get this information, let them bed down. So I would let them, I'd try to bed them down like no later than like probably 930. And I was going to bed probably around 1045 to 1130 at night. And we were all up around 6, 630 in the morning. Mm. Uh, and you know that that's just current rank i'm still a corporal i'm an e4 i chose family over army so i never went to a lot of the leadership school especially it's really it's people don't understand how much harder it is in the national guard than it is on active duty um you know on active duty you're paid the whole entire time your salary right so you can work out whenever you want you know, most times morning PT or you're released by like 1400. And a lot of times they're like, all right, go do PT, right? We have early morning, probably zero six formation. They can cut you loose at 1400 and be like, all right, go do PT. I better see everybody at the gym and you better be checked in. Right. And that's a lot of the, like a lot of the guys who are active duty that I've met through like boot camp and all that. Um, but in the reserves, like you got to do PT on your own and you got to find the time to do PT on your own. And, and when I had knee surgery, oh man, that, that sucked so bad. I was at the heaviest of my life. I was super overweight. I mean, I was running 23 minute, two miles just because I just couldn't get the speed back up after knee surgery. So uh, you did better than me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, like I said, it, there's just give and take, right? If, if you have a career already as a, as a reservist, then you're balanced already with civilian life, family life, and military life. But if you're struggling with no job and you're young and you're, you know, especially in 2000, when I came back in 2008, it was a recession and it was yeah. hard to find a job. It was ridiculous to find a job. And then when I held my first daughter, you know, corporal and a specialist. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm reading your chat also at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, uh, unemployed, you know, trying to stay in shape. You know, I, I chose family. You know, I I was working out on my first deployment. I was gonna go try out for Green Berets because we have a unit here in California for Special Forces that's on the National Guard side, and I was gonna try out until. I met my wife. <laughs> um, yeah, I met my wife. I will, we were already, um, you know, 15 months in over there and they asked everybody who wants to extend voluntarily. Right. And you got a choice of three, six, nine, 12. And I was all like, I got nothing back home. I'm going to extend for another, let's say nine months. I was going to do nine to 12 months. And they were like, all right, they put my name down, but no, no orders. No paperwork was like official to make it legitimate. And then I came home on leave and I met my wife and we started dating and then I went back out there and they were like, all right, but Hey, private saying like, you still want to extend out here? And I was like, uh, let me get back to you, Sergeant. So I talked to my girlfriend at the time. She's like, you make me want to cry. You want to stay out there? I'm like, crap, <laughs> crap, crap. 
Mm. So I am not extending. I came back home. I had a purpose to come back home now. Uh, you know, girlfriend turned into my wife. Wife turned into wife got pregnant. Held my first daughter. And when I held my first daughter, I said, you know, I'm going to try to do the best I can to be greatest dad for you. I was like really into drinking a lot, you know, back in like high school and then going into the army and everything. And then when I turned 21, I had my daughter and I cut back on the drinking. I said, I'm, I never want to be the alcoholic dad to, uh, you know, abuse my kids. You know, I've had friends that had those dads. And I'm like, I'm never going to be one of those. I don't, I don't want to be one of those. And, you know, if, if somebody's struggling with alcohol and everything, I, you know, get the help. Because it can really tear up a family. All right. So we're going to ask post question, and then I have one to ask you. But so can you explain to some of the listeners the difference between a corporal and a specialist? Because apparently in books, they have the same rank. So pay grade wise, they're the same. They're E4, right? A specialist is so corporal and specialist derives from old army, right? If you were combat MOS, you were a corporal as an E4. If you were non-combat at the time, like AKA a mechanic, right? Then you would be a specialist because you specialize whatever MOS you were in. Um, when, we, when we became an army of one, remember that slogan back in the day? Um, they took that away. They merged all the ranks together. So it used to be like specialist four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then they, they merged everything together, especially when they separated from the army air corps. Uh, when the yeah. air force and everything they separated that and they kind of like merge all the ranks together so a corporal is an nco he's a junior enlisted right he's working his way to become a sergeant and he still has you know the responsibilities of an nco he's at the bottom but he's you know he shouldn't be looked at any different i know in the marine corps like if you were a corporal you're a dog it's like literally sergeants and staff sergeants be like hey go bark <laughs> that means go take charge. No. Go, yeah, go take charge. You know, you're you're an NCO. Have fun, and they would mm. run. They would run. They would run the show. They would run ranges. They would do this and they would do that because you know they're at the bottom of the barrel and they get they need the experience. Um, no. you, you know, me as a very very seasoned soldier slash corporal, um, I still have sergeants that come to me and ask me for advice sometimes. I'm a team player. Uh, I don't care if you're a sergeant, stat sergeant, if you need help, I'm here. At the end of the day, we all work together and we need to get the job done. <laughs> oh, yeah. So real quick before you ask your question, I kind of have a follow on to this one. Right, so out of the two, from the, from the differences that you've listed, what would you prefer to be? Would you prefer to be purple where you are or specialist where you don't really have the the NCO duties. For me, it made no difference. Right. I was a specialist at the time and my squad leader, because I was a team leader as a specialist and my squad leader would always like, get drafted to do something else. So at the, so I would always be, Hey, a specialist saying, go, I need you to take charge of the squad. Hey, special. He would text me literally like, Hey, special saying I won't be at drill this three day weekend. So you're going to be in charge. Uh, you know, getting given stripes afterwards when they kind of like the rules are still changing in the army right now, like who gets corporal and who doesn't and all that. And they gave me corporal and not, I told him nothing's changed. It just means that I could fight a little harder for you now. 
It just means when I go into meetings, they will take me not as serious because I'm at the bottom of the barrel, but they can take they can take me with some seriousness now because they can look at stripes instead of a shield. <laughs> so, um, out of your years of being in the military, what is the weirdest thing you've seen or heard in your time with your service? The weirdest thing I've heard goes back into Fort Benning. Uh, <laughs> oh, I have a laugh about it again. So being in barracks, right? There's four platoons. So there's four levels. There's second floor uh, and then a third floor. And then each platoons are in, the, in the, like a U-shaped barrack. Well, the platoon across from us had, you know, we'll always try to sneak in contraband, whether it be snacks, pornography, um, you know, tobacco, any of that stuff. I mean, not really alcohol. That, that You're really stupid trying to sneak in alcohol because you could just yeah. smell it. Um, but like tobacco, people dip, people spit. Um, you know, c- cigarettes, not really because we didn't really get lighters and you could smell cigarettes from a mile away. But the funniest one I heard was chunky peanut butter. And a drill sergeant was doing a shakedown caught one of the soldiers in their lockers of a ch- of chunky peanut butter and a penthouse magazine. Um. Um. <laughs> so that, that's probably the weirdest thing I've heard. And that like that word was going around the whole company. It doesn't belong there. And, and then like we, we just kept asking ourselves like, how wouldn't that hurt? It's chunky. It doesn't belong there. <laughs> chunky like there's pieces of peanuts it's rigid like like what were you doing you were just eating and jerking off at the same time (laughs) like i don't want to like no that's just weird alone is just fucking weird (laughs) so uh so that's that's probably the weirdest thing i've heard um the weirdest thing i've seen and this happened twice i don't know why this happened but uh, it involves shit. So it, it recently happened about two years ago in a port john And then it happened while I was at, at Fort Benning again. Somebody took shit and smeared it all over the walls. My first retail. I've seen this too many times in uh, working at gas well, stations. So, yeah, but so, but, 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 <laughs> but that's retail. So, 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 yeah, that's retail. So you have random yeah. people. You may have. Mentally challenged people. Ours are druggies. Have, Ours right, are druggies. Druggies, <laughs> mentally, you know, 5150s, or you can have children because, you know, toddlers yeah. play with. But right? this is grown oh, men in all, the military. Oh, we're all grown men and women. Like on, on a right. couple years ago, we're, we're grown men and women. And the battalion, and it just so happened the battalion commander walked into that Porta John, was like, what the fuck? Why is there shit oh. all over the Porta John? Like it was, and so they <laughs> we were at Pendleton and we were by the beach, and everybody became a sugar cookie that day. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, oh. and it was right, and it was right before we went home. It was literally the end of of our field time, so everybody became a sugar cookie. And then uh-huh. with the other the other one that happened in Fort Benning. Drill sergeants found out, even though we cleaned it and they didn't see it, but they found out. They heard word of it, right? We don't know if somebody from a different platoon came down into our barracks and did it, 
or one of our own guys did it. But it was like, that's disgusting. Why? Why would you play with your own shit and smear it all over the walls? But we cleaned it. But, you know, soldiers, soldiers are dumb. <laughs> and they Literally. open their mouths. They open their mouths. So the drill sergeants, drill sergeant found out. So we had extra fire guard watching the toilets. Did you guys ever find out who the person nope. was? No. Mm-hmm. Good old Neither time. We, we, neither time we found out who it was. So. Oh, it, fuck, man. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing I've seen. Personally, it has evolved shit. <laughs> of course it does. I, I, I would definitely have to agree. That would be, that would be really weird to see. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just... You're in the army and you're playing with your human feces. <laughs> so... Grown-ass grown men and women want to play with doo-doo. I, I, I don't get it. So... For for listeners out there, you you've mentioned a couple different times that you have seventeen, uh, roughly seventeen years in service, mm-hmm. as it stands right now. Yes. Do you have any plans for after you retire? Just being a dad, still working. Um, you know, my wife. I want my wife to pursue her career that she wants. Um, we had another child two years ago, so she was going to pursue her career a little bit earlier, but she can't now because she's at home taking care of the kids. And, you know, and she made a good point. Like I see, this is one of the struggles of like being in the reserve, right? She says, yeah, I can go back to work right now and you could be at home dad, but what's going to happen when you have the longer than just a weekend. So anybody who know who's been in, for in the National Guard or the Reserves, it's never just one week in a month, two weeks in the summer. Never. It's always three to four day drills. Like this upcoming drill I have, it's four days long. It's Thursday through Sunday, right? And then when AT comes, it's 15 days long. And she said, so when you have those days, I'm going to have to take vacation time or sick time because I have to watch the kids now while you're not here, Right. So she's all like, so I'm burning my vacation, especially during AT. I'm going to have to burn it all. So what's the point? What's the point of going back to work? Yeah, what's the point? If we're not going to have any vacation time to spend with family and everything. Well, how? She's burning like that. She might not even have enough to use. Yeah, she's going to be, she's going to have to LWAP, which is leave without pay. And like I said, it's just one of those struggles where I was like, yeah, you're right. Okay. Like, keep staying home. I'm going to you know, I'm going to go and, and keep working then. So, uh, cause, cause I love my kids, you know, mm-hmm. I love, I love, I love my kids. I mean, hell, look at this. I just drove freaking 15 minutes early in the morning after only getting four hours of sleep. Hit my daughter's Mario Kart eight off of offer. <laughs> and then, and then I went to the gym afterwards. Cause I was like, I'm not going back to sleep. Sorry. Um, you know, I, I love the hell out of my kids. And, you know, if I could be a full home, full time dad, I would. And so, you know, I wanted to be a full time dad already. I told my wife several times, I'm like, I have no problem you being the breadwinner. Mm-mm. It's 2022. I have no problem with that. You know, I will not feel less of a man. <laughs> so you be the breadwinner. I mean, she she said it. She's all like, if I go back to work, you're still going to have to deal with the numbers. I'm like, that's fine. I, I handle all the finances right now. And she's like, you still have to deal with all the numbers. I'm like, that's fine. But I'd rather be home. 
So, so that's why I said I chose family over army most for the most part. I still did my duties, right? I just didn't do anything extra to like pursue more of my army career. So that that's that's the ups and downside of it. To add on to the reserves, what was um like the um the adapting point between switching from normal army into the reserves? Like how hard was that adjustment? Um, pretty hard. Like I said, like you got to find your own career, you have to find your own job. You know, it's not like you're living at the barracks or you're getting BAH and you're on a salary. You know what money's coming in with being on the civilian side. You, unless you're with a steady career already, you won't know what's coming in. So I was on unemployment and it was President Bush at the time and he was giving a lot of extensions. Um, and then when, when President, and when I came back from my second deployment, I was still on unemployment. And President Barack Obama cut the extensions pretty bad. So unemployment, initially, when you come back from a deployment, it's only eight months long. You have eight months to look for a job. And that's not a lot, especially in today's economy. No, it's not. So, yeah, you have eight months of that. And then you have one extension. I believe it's four months. So you have pretty much one year of unemployment. And that was through President Barack Obama. But President Bush, he gave you up to two years, especially was like especially during the recession. Like I am so thankful and grateful for him for that. But with President Barack Obama, he cut it. So I was I was pretty desperate at the time when it came like on my first extension. And I was like scrambling. I was basically ready to work at McDonald's again, which I didn't want to do, but I was like, I need the income. I was ready to do that. I was ready to go on any type of orders, uh, being on the reserve side. Like that's the benefit is like, you always request going on different orders to do extra missions uh, when it comes to that. So I was ready to do anything at that point. And then luckily I landed a job doing aerospace security. And I paid pretty decent. And, you know, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's probably like the hardest transition. It's getting a job. Um, I know that they're helping a lot of uh, people PCSing or ETSing, should I say, who are getting out. And I know they're like, hey, look for a job before you get out. You know, you can start applying to here and there. Um, I know like if it's in like within local of the base itself, they'll give you time off while you stay without taking leave to go do interviews. It's a lot around the local area. Uh, My wife has a friend, uh, her husband's a retired Marine and he went up to Maine before he even got out and got a job there. Another question from pool. Um, Wait, or was one way? What is that country? All right. So I will, I'll, I'll I'll read the question. So I was called as a, a 240 Bravo gunner and Aww. the deuce and the 19 as a gunner on, on an MRAP out of all weapon platforms you could deploy, which was your favorite? 240 Bravo. Hands down. My, be- my bread and butter, my baby. My squad leader was a prior Marine as a 0331 machine gun specialist, I believe. And you know how dirty it got, how clean it got. My 240 never, never failed me. 
every single test fire is shot. Uh, I, I was, one of my gun trucks was involved in a f- firefight. I was in the ASV and my 50 wouldn't fire. I was loading it. I was doing through all the steps and to come to find out it's a mechanical switch on the ASV for the 50 cal to shoot. And all it was, was one plug need to be pushed in. And that's the type of, that's the type of air that I don't like from the ASV It's like, you know, if you're not constantly maintaining all that stuff, which is not really one of the checks as a gunner, Mm -hmm. you know, you're primarily making sure all the ammo's there you make sure it's loaded, right. Make sure that, you know, everything's functioning. And then if you press the button, you hear the click, right. As when the, when the weapon's empty. So, but yeah, oh, it, had, it definitely headspace and timing was a pain in the ass. I still have my headspace and timing gauge that I took as a souvenir. Um, but my 240, hands down. I love my 240. And then if it, if it was a rifle, I would say the M16A4. Uh, I got to shoot that while I was at Fort Benning and no recoil. No recoil at all. You know, one of my drill sergeant was so impressed. I've never shot a rifle in my life until I joined the army. And one of my groupings, all three bullets touched each other. That's how nice the grouping was. My first sergeant took that, that rifle and shot it off his nuts. He was like, look at this. has no recoil. Uh, I don't want any excuses why none of you should qualify. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so but, but hands down, 240. 240 is so reliable. I know it transitioned from the, the M2 and also the M62. Um, you know, they had, I, I looked into it. I researched it a little bit. The M62 had a, a cyclic fire that was slightly faster, but the 240 was still more reliable, even though it shot a little slower. So do you have any advice for someone wanting to go into the army? So I, I just talked to a truck driver and her son was a Marine recruiter. So, I mean, everything was, it's, everything is the same when it comes to joining each branch, right? Contracts are different, but the steps to joining each branch is the same. You got to take your ASVAB test, you got to go over to MEPS, you got to clear physical, psych, and all that, and health. Um, but the, uh, the difference, how when I joined to now, is whatever you have on your childhood medical history, they're going to look into it now. It's not safe anymore. Uh, prior, we we were able to join, and you know they were like, you know, have, did you have childhood asthma? Did you have anything, you know, any injuries while you were younger? This and that that we should know about. And you could just flat out lie and say no. You know, I had one of my soldiers who was allergic to bees, right? The bee sting, and that's a, a big disqualifier in the military. He still got in because <laughs> he lied. He's all like, oh, I was allergic when I was a child. But a lot of the new recruiters now, they're, they're allowing them to go into your childhood medical history. So my advice is, if you are asthmatic, if you are allergic to certain things, you know, I wouldn't recommend it then. You know, you could try still, not discourage you not to try, but just know that they're going to go into that now. Um, what, other, what other stuff? I mean, common sense, big common sense. Uh, don't go in there hedge, headstrong, right? You are at the bottom of the barrel. You are a civilian becoming soldier, Marine, airman, blah, 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 blah. So there's always somebody there, bigger, badder, stronger. You, you should go there and just do your best. Right? So, Stay in shape and do your best. So real quick, you, you uh, 
at the beginning of the podcast, you spoke about advice that you were giving for people that are that have been in like the reserves or anything in that facet that have been in for a while. Yeah. Uh, I want to take a different approach real quick and see if you have any advice. It could be for active side or reserve side on people that are just not quite sure if they want to make it a career. So the pension is gone. Just let's get that out of the way. There is no more pension in the military. They took that away back in 2016. So anybody joining from 2017 and on, there's no more pension. I'm still grandfathered into my pension. So everybody needs to know that now it's, it's under the TSP, which is like a 401k on the civilian side. TSP is the 401k on the federal side. Um, it's more of a TSP now, right? If, if, if you're looking to make a career out of it, I would say do it. If your body can handle it, if you can mentally force, you know, mentally stay in it, stay in it. If it's for you, it's for you. If it's not, don't beat yourself over it. Right. I've told many veterans who like they don't like Veterans Day when all the freebies are given out. They hate it. And I tell them all the time. I'm like, look, I don't care what you did in the past. I don't care what happened you know, in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, whatever. We are celebrating the fact that you are the small percentage and had the bravery, the courage to raise your right hand and join. Right. Or you could be a veteran who did absolutely nothing. We still thank you. No matter what. I still thank you. Right. I know many people will still thank you for raising your right hand and doing doing what you had to do. At the same time, you joined in full while knowing that you could be in that position. Exactly. Don't beat yourself up for what happened and what you did. Right. And if it's a money thing. Right. You're like, oh, I don't want to take money from other people and everything. It's a tax write off for all these companies. Right. Applebee's, CPK, they give you all these freebies and everything. It's you really think you're taking their money away. No, it's tax write off for them. And everybody knows that. Right. So so when, when people thank you as a veteran, not necessarily thanking you for whatever happened in Iraq, whoever you killed or whatever you did. They're not thanking you for that. They're thanking you for taking the oath, for raising your right hand and, and putting on the uniform. It's, it's, it's as simple as that, right? Because, you know, there's always that possibility that anytime, boom, war. You know, we had a scare last year, right? At the, be- at, uh, the end of February, the end of January, February, right? When Russia invaded Ukraine, we had a scare that we were going to send troops out there again. To fight in the cold, oh, super cold, right? Um, and that can happen at any time. So to, to all my current soldiers and military personnel and to all my veterans out there, you know, take, take it with a grain of salt. You know, they're, they're here to thank you for serving. And that's like thanking you for what you've done in the service. Yeah. <laughs> That's really well said. <laughs> Thank you. That is really well said. And uh, post production, I might actually take that and make a little sound bite out of it. Oh, by all means. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, do you have any um, favorite basic training moments? Favorite basic training moments. <sighs> I have a funny basic training moment. So, uh, so not one of my favorites, but funny. So, uh, Fort Benning is in Georgia. And I left to Georgia in August, which is the hottest, most humid time of the year. And I am from the West Coast. I am in Southern California, right? We don't get humidity like Georgia does. Mm -mm. Hence why I I don't ever want to own or live in the South anymore. Because I hate humidity at 80% and above. Flat out. (laughs) And so I remember we, we rucked out to an obstacle course. And we spent most of the morning there uh, around probably 1500. We had to come back, right? We ate lunch out there and everything. And then about 1500, which is three o'clock for all my civilians. Um, we came back, but we got smoked before we came back because everybody was lollygagging because everybody was just so happy from the obstacle course. And it was lots of fun, but we were lollygagging and we were just taking our time, getting all our stuff back on. Joe Sergeant smoked us with our, with all with everything on rucksack, flak, weapon, everything, helmet. And we got smoked. And then we had to ruck back to our barracks. Shit. In 90% humidity. And I believe it was like 98 degrees. So it felt like 111. Probably. The hottest time. By the time we got back to the barracks, uh, they told us, you know, everybody has to stop in front of the company. Right in front of the barracks, because we have to clear our weapons inside the clearing barrel. Well, we marching, and and they told us to halt. We stopped. I couldn't stop. I was so hot. I couldn't stop. If I stopped, I would have passed out. My first experience of like true humidity and heat in the south. I just couldn't stop. So like you, see, if you ever, if if you ever got, if there was ever video information, you probably see me like just like small trots with my head bobbing while the while the rest of the formation was stopped. <laughs> And I just couldn't mm-hmm. stop. It was just too hot. So I cleared my weapon. I went upstairs and there's AC in our barracks. And, and like everything melted off of me. My ruck and my IBA, I just ripped it all off. And the first thing I did, I undid my pants and just dropped it. And all the heat just came out of my pants. And, and I, I was like, I took a deep breath, fell back on my lockers and I fell down a little bit. And I'm like, God damn, I've never felt this kind of exhaustion. I played football in high school, went through hell week when it was, you know, hot as hell in the summer, but I've never experienced something like this. And I talked to a couple of my buddies there and they were like, oh, welcome to the South. That's right. You're a Cali boy. You don't know what humidity, true humidity is. <laughs> and, and that was also like my first experience when I landed in Georgia. It was nighttime. I got off the bus at 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, why is it still so hot out? I was like, why is it still so hot? It's like, I don't understand. It's like, it's nighttime. So, so that I, I don't like humidity. You'll never see me in the South on purpose, unless it's like for work. I would never have like leisure going to the South. Maybe Florida would be the closest thing I go to. That's because of like, you know, Disney World, Universal Studios and all that. Yeah. But not a fan I'm of the saying, South. I don't like heat. I love uh, cold. I hate heat. <laughs> and I, I, I don't. I don't mind heat. You know, I've been in dry heat, and dry heat is not too bad, mm-hmm. right? But I, I can't stand humidity. humidity I can't stand. Yeah. Yeah. 
that state is the worst. You know what? Uh, who is that? K. K-, K-, K- That's K. Yeah. Call him K. Okay, K. Uh, there's actually a worse spot, and that's Florida. <laughs> no, Mississippi. Uh-oh. I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna say Mississippi was worse. Is that cool? We we, we, tra- we we trained out of uh, Camp Shelby, Mississippi, and I think it hit a hundred degree, a hundred percent humidity one day. And I remember I walked out, maybe what, not even an, an eighth of a mile, to go drop off something to my commander, and I walked back and I was drenched. Coldest in Mississippi. Uh, uh yeah, and and it it's the first time I experienced like rain coming, and you could hear it and see it. <laughs> cool said cool said Shelby is a fucking joke. <laughs> so um yeah, Camp Shelby sucks. So, but you could literally like see the rain coming at you. I'm looking at it like I can literally see rain coming at me. This is ridiculous. Sure enough, it poured on us. We had like a little dugout of grass and everything, and it became a small moat. Like frogs were jumping out of it. I guess there was like a little sewer there, and it rained so hard for thirty five minutes, and it just stopped. So There's I tell a- everybody, I'm all. I tell everybody, I'm like, you never experienced rain until you've been in the south. That's true rain. <laughs> and there was at one point when I was at, when I was in Alabama, I used to be able to set my my, my watch by the thunderstorms in the summer. <laughs> See. <laughs> All right, Paul, hop in here. I'm going to fuck up the overlay, but sure. <laughs> I love all these questions. I love, I love this awareness. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's, let, let's go ahead and stop this bullshit and talk about Camp Shelby. Oh, Damn. Damn. <laughs> go ahead and stop this bullshit and talk about Camp Shelby. Oh. Damn. We, we hear... Um, your audio. So you, you you literally have a spot that is supposedly um, set up to imitate Iraq. No. Well, I don't think Camp Shelby was imitate Iraq. Camp well, Shelby was like imitate like Vietnam. Well, no, no, I agree, and that, that that's where I was going with this. Um, so you've got, you've got Connex boxes, you've got, you know, the, uh, uh, multiple places where, you know, you're supposed to have, you know, like, uh, the shops, the, the gas station, this and the other, but you're, you're driving around in an MRAP or a Humvee or, or whatever it is, as your gunship, um, in, you know, 119 degree humidity. And then all of a sudden, you know, they they spring everything on you and it's like a thousand percent bullshit. I mean, if you go out on the south side of Camp Shelby, where you go into what they call the the free zone, which is, you know, you have a military zone and you have a military plus hunter zone. Mm-hmm. So for me at that time, I was a, a czar for the training exercise. So I was the one driving around to make sure everyone was like following the, the, the rules of the road, this, that, and the other. Yeah. The only problem is you army fuckers didn't sit there and follow the rules of the road. So I'd see a GSA mm-hmm. vehicle and I'd be like, oh, probably mine. This guy's going down a road that is 
quote unquote, 25 miles an hour. The motherfucker's doing 65 miles an hour down the road, and I have to be the police. So I throw lights, sirens, and chase this fucker for like seven and a half miles. And I pull up to a, another, you know, quote unquote, Shelby spot. I'm, I'm not going to give it away. But I, I pull up and I jump out of the truck and I've got, you know, my ticket book, this and the other. I'm a Navy fucking, you know, license examiner. I can ticket you. Your army doesn't mean shit. So I'm sitting there and I'm just like, dude, there's there's like literally 450 people in a battalion that you just drove through. Army guy. Um, they said drive really fast. <laughs> oh, wow that's and funny I'm, I'm literally sitting there with a ticket going how the fuck do i justify this <laughs> this is a good question so you know you know i i can um i can verify that because we we didn't know what mission we were going to be fully doing in iraq um and so yeah, it, we trained we trained on everything whether yeah. it be you know clearing houses you know, convoy security. And when we did the convoy security part, I believe we were told not to speed, but they said, treat it as if we were in country already. And so we sped. Yeah. So you went, you went through, uh, what we call checkpoint 13, which would be Agram, uh, mm-hmm. gas station, straight line. Oh yeah. And we're flying. Yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> flying. All of a sudden, there's fucking white smoke everywhere. Oh, the dust in Camp Shelby is so bad. I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised. Like none of us got in an accident. Uh, you know, most of the drivers had a lot of common sense to, oh, we, uh, to like we, slow down. We did the, the the most horrible thing. We were we were running around. We had a, a night off, and all of a sudden, we saw smoke. And you know, of course, CBs were like, "Oh, fire! Let's go play." Um, so we drove toward it. All of a sudden, there was 135 Bradleys coming over the hill, puffing smoke on the back mm-hmm. side. I'm in a 1998 Dodge Ram, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" You know, I, I 100% flipped the vehicle, and the Bradleys are just like, uh, "You know, if we hit you, good luck." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and the worst thing was the two fucking Ospreys running over us. You know, they, they, you could tell the pilots were like, I, I'm 100% filming this. <laughs> wow. It was kind of, it um, was kind of one of those, uh, those sound bite moments. It was at this moment. moment. Oh, hundred. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the worst moment at Camp Shelby and that I'm sorry to, to, to butt in, but, uh, we, we went on a drive and we had Rangers out on the, the site and they were just like, you know, what are you doing? We're like we're military we're cbs you know we're trying to get to the next spot and he was like go ahead so we came over a bunker at camp shelby all of a sudden we realized that the targets behind us they were vehicles and they were tanks mm-hmm. we were on the tank range oh we were free balling <clears throat> on a tank range oh that's not good so my chief no, looks no. at me he was like you better not fucking kill me drive and I'm like, I'm, I'm gunning this fucking Dodge. It's in, you know, August in Camp Shelby. So everything's fucking soaked. So we're bogging down. And I, I finally looked at my chief and I was like, fuck you. I jumped out of the truck and ran. 
chief oh. ran, you know, behind me. He was like, I swear to God, if we, if, if we fucking live through this, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Turns out not a tank on the range. Oh, they, were, <laughs> they were running already three and a half miles back. Oh, it sounds That's like, good. uh, it sounds like North Fort hood. Have you ever been in a North Fort Hood? There's actually yeah. a part of the highway that literally has a sign that says, warning, be, cough, be careful, driving through here, artillery training yep. could be, in, yep. artillery or tank training could be in progress. Yeah, yeah, they have that in Jeff Shelby on the uh, the backside. Yeah, and I'm I'm reading that sign at North Fort Hood, and I'm like, are you serious? Yep. Like, this is a civilian road, and you just have these random signs out? Like you don't have somebody guarding it or something. When just, if it's in training, like wow. just a side up. Potentially, be careful. Could get shot by tank. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! The best one, and and I'm sure you saw it at Camp Shelby. If if you went deep enough in, it said that it was a uh, uh, a range or World War II range. Uh, uh, ordnance not yet exploded. No, I don't think we ever went that, that far. Yet. Oh God. I mean, it was like a M and what was it? MR 13 and above everything above like 13 was considered just like free ordinance. Ooh, I'm happy we didn't go that way then. <laughs> but we had an entire battalion bed down like literally in 12. So they were doing, you know, digging fire positions, this and the other, you know, uh, crew serve weapons, everything else like that. And then we finally got a call back from the fire chief and he was like, uh, you guys should not be there. Ooh. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, why? You know, I, I was in charge of, you know, one of the uh, assault teams and I'm like, why not? And they're like, um, so we haven't cleared that shit of World War II ordinance. <laughs> Um, what? Um, yeah, I'm I'm speechless on that one. Yeah, at that point, I, I you know I I called CLC and I was just like, um, you know, sir, are you aware you're in a position where? And he came back. He was like, Oh no, we're fully aware because we just dug a fighting position and we're holding a fucking MR two. And I'm like, Oh, so are you moving? It was no. just like, no, we're good. <sighs> no, we're good. We're good. Just some World War II minds. We're good. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it, it's 140 mm-hmm. millimeter round, but, you know, fuck it. We'll just, like, dig in. Yeah. No, we're good. No, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> no, 100%. I'm not either. No. When, when, my, when my lieutenant was like, go attack the front line, I was like, no, fuck you. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah could you imagine if somebody did die like there would be all hell would break loose well i mean i went i went yeah, to lost school right there. lost in the woods <laughs> missouri you know army air force marines this that, and the other and uh we were on the uh the dozer pit where i, I mean literally we go front to back with a dozer and just like skim the ground to learn how to you know actually you know, level the ground. Okay. So we you, found out. Have you ever found anything doing that? We found out that <laughs> that site was a World War II um, ordnance site. So what happens? The Air Force literally finds 
from one of their dozer operators a grenade. They pull it out of the circle playing fucking hacky sack with a live World War II grenade. Um, you know, so of course, what no what common sense in earlier, her body. It, it, I don't know what happened, but like you said earlier, we called EOD. Three hours later, EOD showed up. What? The- Eight hours later, they disposed of the bomb. Mm-hmm. Oh, we couldn't fucking leave. And the rest of us are looking at the Air Force like, you dumb cunts. I swear to God, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You guys couldn't leave? No, we couldn't leave because at, at that point, according to them, everybody could be exposed. Oh, okay. It's a that, fucking grenade. <clears throat> yeah, that's just weird. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, oh, good lord. Expose. Like, hey, if you're still in chat, fuck you, Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> um, expose because, like, grenades back in the day were made with, like, different things. You could be exposed. Oh, true. They were, they were, oh, yeah. yeah, they were made with wow. 100% fucking mercury. Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Son. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, when, when it happened, I was running a, a, a D5 dozer. Wasn't even anywhere near it when this shit went off. Okay, K said, e- eat a whole bag of dicks, <laughs> you Davy turd. <laughs> oh, hey, K, you're going to be fucking that, present, you little bitch. <laughs> that's that's, that's that typical. <laughs> Yeah, this happens every time. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna back out of chat. Uh brother, I you know what, as as a fellow fucking convoy guy, and um bro, I love you. <laughs> I love you too, man. Yeah, convoy security is long. It's it's a long, long I think my longest mission was thirty six hours. It's just like back to back breakdowns of people having flat tires and then um roads going black so out there like when the road goes black that means something either blew up or something's about to blow up i mean because the whole entire time the roads are red red (laughs) means possibility of anything and so when the roads go black you're not supposed to move so if we get lucky and we get stuck at the border and the roads go black in iraq we don't move We, we stay at the border and we take a nap but if you're out already and the roads go black you're supposed to stop. So, I mean, I think that was like the, in the beginning of uh, our operation, we stopped because the roads went black and we literally just sat for like 36 hours. Not 36 hours, but the whole entire, the whole entire mission was 36 hours. Literally saw the sun go down, come back up, go back down, and partially come back up again. Jesus Christ. So In between, all you, all you, I was a driver at the time, and you just see me on my steering wheel just passed out and then I wake up like 10 minutes later to look around, look at my sectors and then pass back out again and then wake back up, look at my sectors. Yeah. It was, it was a very, very long mission. It was a uh, good, good experience. That's how I should say it. You're going to say something, Hawkeye? So this is kind of just out of, out of curiosity because it's something that one, my wife has started noticing and uh, two that I've noticed a couple times before is the ability to sleep anywhere practically oh, on command. 
Oh, as an infantryman, you you learn to sleep anywhere. Like catnaps are lifesavers. So I, I've I've fallen asleep standing up when I was at boot camp in school of infantry. Literally just in parade dress, just slightly knocked out for a couple of minutes until I almost fell over. Um, I remember taking a knee and then with my rifle and using my front sight, I kind of like hooked it into my Kevlar and I kind of like fell asleep like this mm. while taking a knee. And then drill sergeant finally noticed that I fell asleep and he's tickling my nose with a piece of grass. And I'm thinking it's one of my other guys messing with me. Nope. He messed. He was messing with me when I, when I opened my eyes. Hey, go ahead. You know what to do. And I was knocking out push-ups. <laughs> so obviously, you know, in training, you know, they tell you don't sleep, don't sleep, whatever you do, don't sleep. Um, and, you know, the human body is the human body. Yeah. What is the most interesting uh, experience you've had waking up out of one of these catnaps, aside from the uh, drill sergeant tickling with the blade of grass? So I, I mm, interesting wake up. Um, I mean, one moment was um, you feel like you're asleep for a long time. Like I, I when I came home after my deployment, I was on the ground, like laying down, taking a nap. Uh, one and my roommate's girlfriend was all like, "All right, catch you later." I'm like, "All right, bye." She walked out, and I fell asleep. And I was having a dream, and at what felt like a solid hour, two hours. And then I, I jumped out of my, out of my sleep. And she walks back in. He's like, Oh, I forgot something. I'm like, how long was I out? She's like, I just came back. I'm like, what? Are you serious? Like, I felt like I was like, I was out for a while and I couldn't nap after that. Like, I felt like I had a long nap and I was like fully energized again. Um, one of my drill sergeants who like joined us later, uh, he just got done with ranger school and he said, they sleep deprive you so bad at ranger school. And he said, this is, this is his story. He said he was on a ruck. They, they, they stopped, took a knee and they were, they were waiting. He said, what, what happened? What ended up happening was he saw a little fairy come down and each, each person that she was tapping with her wand, they would fall asleep. They would fall asleep. And when she finally got to him and she was about to tap him, they're like, move out. And he woke up and started walking. So oh. road marching again. I was like, damn, like that's like you didn't even realize you fell asleep. That's crazy. Yeah, he was just, you know, pulled security on the side of the road. Next thing you know, he woke up and moved on again. <laughs> so so sleep yeah, sleep deprivation training is pretty intense. Uh, I was doing it for myself for, for a while. You know, having, having kids doesn't help either. When they're crying and when they're little, so sleep deprivation definitely came in handy with that one. But training wise, like you know, you can get any. On average, when you're in the field, you're only getting about four to six hours of sleep. The rest of the time, you're you're doing something or you can be resting, but probably not napping. All right. So, what is your favorite and least favorite MRE? <sighs> Everybody will say the least favorite is the omelet. It is so bad. It is so bad. Hot or cold, with hot sauce, with seasoning. It is the most disgusting 
piece of sponge brick you will ever, ever eat in your life. I don't know anybody who likes that thing. Anybody. Um, uh, look in chat. See? Vegan omelet is the... Really? Look in chat. Re- <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 want, I want a video of you going to the surplus store, getting one, and eating it in front of me. No sauce, no heating it up, no, no nothing. Uh, prove it. Prove ice, it is the best. <laughs> ice is the only man that I have met in fucking existence that likes it. <laughs> oh, like, I, mm, sorry, bro. Like, you, you need to get your taste buds checked. <laughs> Did you do it live on the stream? Oh, my God. Oh. And when was the first time, Ice? <laughs> oh, that's so nasty. Oh, the omelet is just the worst. So, so what's your favorite? <laughs> the the rib. I say the rib patty. Like the the because it, it came with uh, barbecue sauce and two pieces of bread. I'm gonna say the rib patty was probably my favorite. They don't make it anymore. Um, but I'm gonna say the rib patty because I, I I'm I love barbecue sauce. So I, whether I eat it hot or cold, cold was nasty because you see like chunks of oil on it and everything. You don't mm. eat it up, but the barbecue sauce always made it better. And it was either that or the hamburger because they both came with barbecue sauce or spicy ketchup. That is that is probably one of the very few times that we've actually gotten the rib. Or I think the that's the part. only time we've gotten the rib. Yeah, I know. I know people are always like, "Oh, the chicken noodle." Or the chili mac. Um, biggest you know, chili mac. Biggest chili mac. You know, I am not a fan of like MRE that has like tomato based stuff in it. Mm-mm. Because they, they have like tortellini now in it, like cheese tortellini. I remember they had that for a while. Um, the, the only one that was pretty decent, but I wouldn't, they don't make it anymore because you get like explosive diarrhea from it, even though MREs normally clock you up. But it's the spicy penny pasta, which was a vegetarian one. And that wasn't too bad once you heat it up and you kind of like spiced it up and everything, do what you got to do. It wasn't too bad. But the after effects was terrible. Oh, that was always partial to buffalo chicken. Uh, um, I'm not a big buffalo guy. So, like, the buffalo chicken was there. And I think I traded it most of the time because. Spicy penny pasta just tormented me after that. I didn't want to have like the explosive diarrhea, explosive crap while I was in the field and I couldn't, or I was back in the barracks and we were in training and I couldn't go use the latrine or something. So we've reached that time to where around it, you can flip the tables and access if you have any questions or not. Do I have any questions? Yes. It's, it's around the time where you can flip the table onto us mm. if you have any. Okay. So so you guys didn't ask me this. You guys you guys asked me a lot about my jobs and everything. If you could go back and change oh if for you, Rex, if you could join the military and whatever job you want to do, what would you do? That's a tough one because I don't really know a lot a lot about the jobs. So obviously I hear a shit ton of the jobs on the podcast and uh different things about it. But, I mean, you heard you heard from ex-military man. He was a canine handler. I know, which make was well, canine handler for the Air Force. So he was a special, not special forces. Yeah, I've heard security a lot force. of different. Yeah, security force as a canine handler. Honestly, mine would probably be security force though, because um, it's a, I've been want, I've been trying to get into security IRL already. 
So if I were to actually pick somebody similar to like law enforcement or security force, because okay. law enforcement, I was originally was going to go into law enforcement, but and then I learned in Minnesota how long it takes to get into law enforcement is you need like six years of college in Minnesota. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah fuck that. <laughs> even even here in California, some departments uh, require like an AA or a bachelor's. So to just apply. And originally, I was going to enlist, but then um, IRL stuff come up, and then I was going back and forth between. I don't know if I would be able to with my asthma and shit. So originally, I was going to enlist, but then I never did. <laughs> Basically, kind of deal. He says he can't find an omelet to buy online. Let's try surplus stores. Try the mom and pop shop surplus stores, especially That's in the south. Cool. Paul has plenty that he doesn't Ooh. want. <laughs> You you know they found a whole entire connex full of veggie omelet, and that's when the military said, "Oh, I think we should probably get rid of this one." It took them to find that. Yeah, pull us fourteen cases of MRE. So you, he can find one for you guys. <laughs> yeah, how about how about you, Hawkeye? I, I I don't even know what you did in the military. I was air tra- I was an air traffic control specialist. Oh, air traffic controllers. Yeah. So if you could go back and you could change your MOS, and what would, what would you pick? <laughs> Um, or maybe a different branch. Oh, if if it's a different branch, then I still think I made my best decision in going in the army. <laughs> okay, army gave me a a lot of good uh, footings, so to speak, to to develop myself and actually footings, so to speak. Yeah. Yes, fool. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. I know pulls backwards. I hear hot guy echo. So to speak. <laughs> I know pulls backwards. I hear hot guy echo. I mean, dead people echo. Army and flu helos. King colorblind. I wasn't able to fly. Oh, that sucks. Dead yeah. Um, they're they're super strict on in color flight status. But if I had to. Say on a different job, I was actually offered two different jobs when I signed up. I was offered air traffic control or behavioral health specialist. Oh, yeah, that's two completely different jobs. They were support jobs that could need somewhere after after the army. Mm-hmm. No. I probably would have. Uh, chose behavioral health specialist just because I'm knowing what I know now about the aviation unit in the army. Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, Hawk. I think you picked the perfect spot for you. Now, let's talk about tonight because <laughs> this shit's going to get fun. While y'all do that, I'm going to go get myself a drink. What we're we talking about now? Um, I just uh, Anne's. Um, I don't want to misrepresent yourself. So, how do you want to be called? Asian. I can be called Asian man. Asian. All right. <clears throat> so, 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 just let's say if anybody says, "Oh, I'm offended. He's racist and all that." So, first of all, I am 100 percent Asian. Right. Just, I'm two types of Asian. 100 percent Asian. I was born here in America. I am 100%, 100% American also. 100% suck a dick. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 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 like the worst thing you can do. Um yeah. so 
brother. I'm not even going to say it because it it doesn't need to be say. Um, thank you for doing this because it's been an absolute honor. Now let's get down to uh, some fun shit. I'm intrigued. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to pool. So. Uh, <laughs> pool zone <laughs> Rex's, Rex's biggest question and he asked it tonight is the MRE question uh, you know, what's, your, what's your favorite what's your least favorite but I will go on top of that and Rex thank you for the question if you had the opportunity to mix a couple of the MREs to make the quote unquote, I forgot I had a question meal. I did ask that question one time <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Mix MREs. Oh, damn. That is an interesting one. Hold on. What MREs would I mix together? You brought back I a mean, past question. Like, 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 okay. Five. I, I said, so for me, it'd be like a two part, two parter, right? Right. If I, had, if I had to mix two MREs together, like to survive because we were limited on food and, or we were like doing road marches and, burning a lot of calories and everything and especially in the cold i would probably mix the spaghetti and the chili mac together can we shoot ice just look like you put in chat can we just shoot them shoot who (laughs) ice look what you put in chat (laughs) he said lasagna and omelet uh (laughs) omelet shouldn't be anywhere on the fucking menu (laughs) and then he said beef do it omelet can, oh can we God. shoot this man <laughs> oh, so so with the beef stew i mean let's let's be honest the the mashed potatoes um you can okay. mix that with anything 100 percent. uh i wasn't a big fan of mashed potatoes it was just so grainy and yeah regardless of like yeah regardless of what you did to it it was just i couldn't i couldn't i, I couldn't do it for me I would probably go with uh, the chocolate pudding, right? You know, mix it, do it, do it the ranger way, right? Yeah. By putting a little bit of water, make it to yeah. like a pudding consistency, and then the cherry cobbler pie. Oh, the cherry mm-hmm. cobbler was fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but if you mixed it with a little bit of chocolate, it gave it that that sweet tartness after that. Actually, I we found that the uh, the uh, uh, peanut butter and jalapeno. Um, phenomenal. <laughs> okay, so as that's a, interesting, it's a new one. Yeah, so, so as a disclaimer, I know this is going to be really hard to average thing we say. No, 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 no. So, so as a disclaimer, I'm just going to give everybody a heads up. You know, as an infantryman, it's hard for me to say this too, but I am not a fan of peanut butter. <laughs> you know, all my grunts, all my guys had it. You know they always they always either ate it right away or they put it in their pockets as a snack. Yeah, one jerked yeah. off with it too. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he loved it so much he put it on himself. Let's not talk uh, about that part. But I am not a fan of peanut butter, and I think I, I would have to blame my mother for that because she was. I mean, she's she's not from here, right? She's not from the United States, yeah, so she right. she would make me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because that's what she sees from other people and everything. And she would put, always put too much peanut butter to jam when so I was younger. You were eating peanut butter and fucking uh, flour. Yeah, so I, I like like Schmuckers. I could deal with Schmuckers when I'm craving 
like a peanut butter jelly sandwich. Right. And because because they put like a good scoop into it and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I, I've been tormented with peanut butter just because it was so much peanut butter and not enough so, jam in my so, sandwiches growing up. Are we talking like creamy peanut butter or like chunky? I she mean, bought both. Oh, that makes it worse. Yeah, it was like it was always she, you know, she didn't know anything. So she just she just saw peanut butter and she grabbed it. So whether it be creamy or chunky. And the nationality was we're Cambodian. Oh, good lord. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, yeah, she doesn't know much about, about that. So I was like, damn. Like, cause everybody, everybody else loves peanut butter. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't enjoy it like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like peanut butter and soy sauce. Um mm-hmm. so I like I was sh- you can finish yeah, what you're saying. Oh, uh, I, I was constantly <laughs> trading away my peanut butter. I was yeah. like, peanut butter, like who got cheese? Who got that yeah. bacon cheese? Like I was yeah, give me bacon, yeah. jalapeno. I don't care what it is. Let's fucking go for it. So 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 to uh-huh. let every every everybody else who hated it, the fact that jelly and peanut butter was separate. All the MREs now come with peanut butter and jelly together now. And I'm mm-hmm. so glad I'm out. <laughs> uh, what were you saying, Rex? I, I, I was uh, retired by the military. And I look at everything that's going on right now. And I, especially the fucking meals that they have to have. Um, they've got some really good ones. Um, they've got three. And I look at everything else. And I'm just like, oh, you know what? I just take. I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> they even have pizza now. But they have tough fucking tacos. I don't think I've ever gotten that one. Yeah, yeah no, I've seen it. They have uh, like fajita tacos, and I'm just <laughs> like, um, we we did that back when like nobody knew what the meat was. Oh, but I mean, uh, back in the day, MRE was a chicken fajita. It came with oh. tortillas and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like the biggest one was like chicken fajitas. And then we did the uh, the tuna melt. And the only thing we wanted was a fucking uh, tuna. Yeah, we came and, in tuna packets. Yeah. Actual was it the Sunkiss tunas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and the, the uh, Sunkiss and the tortillas. And they were like, oh, no, we're good. And I was just sitting there and I was just like, um, like my entire family is dying because like it's shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I have a case of MREs just in case. Yeah. Right. But it's not my go to if I don't have to. Well, I, I had the <laughs> opportunity and I, I cherish this moment for like literally the rest of my life. Um, I had a family member that was just like, you know, she's. She's a huge supporter of military. Is that the other? And she was like, well, I want to uh, do the MRE challenge at the time. The, just, the, the cracker? Uh, no, it, it was just like literally eating an MRE. Oh, oh. that's not a challenge. Just like eating, yeah. eating the crackers in two minutes with no water is a challenge. Oh, God, that'll kill you. <laughs> there there people, is people. no coming back from that. Yeah, people people have done it. So, oh, I know. And and she was just like, you know, I I gave her, you know, four pallets, and I was just like, find find your case and find your number. And she was like, you know, case number four, uh, box sixteen. 
turned out it was the veggie album. Oh, so I I cooked it according to you know quote unquote a military standard, and I handed it to her, and she she took a bite, and she was good. She didn't do shit, and she okay. grabbed Tabasco and she doused the entire bottle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, this woman came from California, so she's you know kind of used to it so she Mm -hmm. ate everything and she looked at me and she went that's the worst thing i've ever tasted (laughs) (laughs) so rex you were trying to ask something a little bit this woman ate an entire mre with like the uber sauce on top of it And I sat there and I looked at her and I was like, are you sure? And she was like, well, it couldn't be worse than what California can do. And I, <laughs> I, I, I looked at it. I was like, I'm deploying in like 72 hours. And she goes, if you have to deploy with this, I feel sorry for you. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> welcome to my world. I mean, they've, they've, they've debunked it already that people in prison Gets fed better than people in the military. A hundred percent. Before I joined the military, I was on the side of the uh, the uh, the runners that were actually giving food to every truck that went out in Nevada. I was giving Mm -hmm. like slop to prisons, and then I was giving slop to you know what they called military expectations. Mm-hmm. It was the same fucking thing. <laughs> and I, I yeah. literally got back and I was just like, well, I mean, you know, at the time, $11 an hour sounds really good. That lasted three weeks. And I was like, yeah. I can't fucking do this anymore. All right. So going back to um, the whole culture stuff and the whole Asian U.S. stuff, what are the most interesting similarities that you found between Asian culture and U.S. culture and what's your um, and how was it uh, and how was it learning both sides of the cultures at the same time growing up? Um, no similarities when it comes to the Asian <laughs> culture and the, and the U.S. culture. I'm going to say no, no similarities. Um, I mean, at one point, because um, I'm a first generation here, <clears throat> at one point, I like kind of despise my Asian culture. Just because how strict it was and how much pressure it puts on me. I'm pretty sure everybody hears the stereotype of like, oh, Asians are like, you know, their parents are so hard on them. And they're, it's true. Mm-hmm. 100% true. Right. I didn't understand it until I became a parent. Right. Why they were so strict. You know, um, my family coming from the Khmer Rouge and everything, which is, you know, a big genocide that happened over there. Uh, they were stripped the opportunity of going to school. That's why. And I understand now why it was so important to my mother. And, you know, but how strict they were, it's ridiculous how strict we are. Like, I tell this story all the time. Um, I was I was part of a trade school in elementary. So we were three months on, one month off, three months on, one month off. The one month off, they give you like a small packet of homework for you to do throughout the whole entire month. Yeah, I didn't get, I didn't get the whole month to do it. My parents were like, go sit down and do your homework. I was done in two days for the most part. 
maybe the week I was done. Um, then I would follow my mom around the house while she did multiplication with me and math pretty much. So while she's like, you know, dusting and sweeping, she's like two times two, two times eight, eight times four, you know, and switching it up. You know, granted, though, I'm thankful for that because I have my mental math is on point. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you kind of stripped me in my childhood just to keep doing homework and to be really smart. Um, so it, it's very it's very different two different two different worlds, in my opinion. Uh, it's just like if you go to Japan, they go to school six days a week. Right. They have Sunday classes or Saturday classes. Sundays is for religion and they're like recover and everything. Uh, yeah. Here, you know, we, we go to school Monday through Friday. So it's, the, the Asian cultures, it's just as a stereotype say it's we're super strict. Probably not the newer generations of Asians, but if, if like if your parents came from, I mean, snow, the, I mean, Indians are Asians also. <laughs> they're in the continent of Asia. So I would consider Indians Asians also. And they're pretty, they're really strict also. They have a high expectation. They push, push, push. So you can succeed. And that, that's what they want. Right? So, they're, not push, they're not really pushing you to fail per se. They want you to succeed. It's kind of like, I'm going to make you succeed. Because you need to succeed. You don't need to be where I'm at. You, you know, they came from suffering. They came from coming to this country with nothing. They're like, no, I don't want you to li- to live like this anymore. I want you to be successful. So you as a, like a father, have you like dialed it back then than what your parents have done? I tell my kids all the time. I feel bad for them. You know, they get they, they get the both sides of worse. They get the military and the Asian side. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I tell them all the time. <laughs> um, I, I've dialed it back. Recently, <laughs> recently, I, I would say I would say in the, probably the last five years, I've dialed it back um, because I was seeing how strict I was. But then again, at the same time, I was very like sleep deprived because I was working so much and everything. And, you know, I just want my kids to be smart, successful people and not be douchebags. That's yeah. the biggest thing for me. Right. So comment, you know, just be smart and successful. Treat others kindly. You know, the, the biggest thing was like. In the Asian culture, you know, they base everything off of what they see, right? Uh, I like like the word. Um, it's how can I put this without sounding so racial? It's like saying, it's like saying white people, right? We say a gang saw, right? That's the Cambodian way of saying white people, a gang saw, and it means American white. That's what it translates to, right? Mm-hmm. Or or we would say black people is manukmao. Black people literally translate to that, right? And you know, it, it's kind of there's they didn't have any words for it, so they just chose color. And you know, my parents were also kind of like stereotyping some things too. So, like, I come from a very, I come from, I, I, I treat everybody the same. I have friends of all race, colors, and ethnicity. And so, when I brought one of my black friends over, they're like. He can't come in the house. And I'm like, why? It's like, he might steal something. Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was that kind of stereotypes that, you know, that because they've never been in this country. So that's the kind of stereotype they hear from other friends, 
other experiences they've had from other Cambodian families and everything. So, but I, you know, I kept bringing them over and we kicked it outside for the most part. And then eventually the trust was built and they're like, okay, he's, he might not steal nothing. And so they finally let him in just to play video games. And you're like, all right, you could just stay at the table in the living room. And then from there, you know, my, my family is now, they're, they're not as stereotypish as they were before. So yeah. they, they've, they've grown themselves. And I'm happy about that. But for a long time, it's like, I'm not going to be like that. Never. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to take stereotyping into heart. And that's something that, you know, I want to break uh, as being Asian. I was like, I don't want I wanted to break all the bad stereotypes of being Asian. You know, Asians can't drive. I'm like, I can drive just fine. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've gotten less tickets than you. I can probably <laughs> guarantee that. Right. If, if we had the speed, I guarantee I'll probably, I'll have less likely to crash than you. Um, you know, they say Asians, oh, you're squinting, you can't see. I have better vision than almost everybody that I've known for a long time. <laughs> I had 2010 at one point. <laughs> I saw I could see perfectly fine. Um, you know, Asians can't play football. They're not big enough. <laughs> I'm a pretty big dude. I played football in high school. Uh, you know, I lift weights a lot. I joined a thousand pound club just to break that stereotype also. All right, so we are going to need to start wrapping this up. We are 20 minutes over our time that we usually are. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry about that. We are we almost 20 minutes over. No, it, 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 no it, it's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, We've had episodes it on this side. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, well, I'll answer one more question. I know Snow said that. What was it? Uh, I know you said no to this, right, Hawk? If you could yeah. join as a new recruit as today, would you? That's that's a hard one for me. I, I, I from what I know now, I would say yes and no. Like you know, part of me says yes because the benefits are great. You know, I, I'm I'm everybody needs to know that the benefits are great. You know, you got your GI Bill. You know, you come back to, and it's not like how it was back in Vietnam. The VA takes care of you. Um, but would I do a career out of it? No. I, w- I would say no, uh, unless like unless you know what you're going to do as a career on the civilian side, a.k.a., you know, you know, a dentist or um, a psychologist and this and that. But I wouldn't make it a career uh, a machinist or something. Yeah. So it was something that I would have to translate into like the civilian world where well, I would make it a career. But like as an infantryman, like I would just do what I need to do. And then once my time is done, I'm out. But I survived this long because of my pension. And that's another big thing, too. There's no pension. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of things that like once you hit your like your 12 year mark, you're like, all right, I'm over the halfway hump. I need to get through this so I can get my pension. Because what was the whole point of 12 years if I don't get my pension at the end? True. And you, you saw my, my reasoning on. Uh on why because she did ask uh, follow a follow on me is um, it's kind of a little bit of both of what she she mentioned but I, I kind of followed the same aspect of you uh, mm-hmm. of what's driving you to stay in because I'm to be honest with you I met my wife when I got out of the military I, oh. bar- bar- I had barely been out of the military a year when her and I started talking. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know what? It's hard. It's hard on the family. You know, when I went on my second deployment, you know, my kids were babies. So it was like kiss them on the forehead. I mean, the hardest person I had to say goodbye to was my wife. And then, um, you know, and I left again when they're older and so much harder. So much harder. How old are your kids now? Uh, 13 and 12. <clears throat> 13. Oh, shit. So you've had one for a while then. Mm-hmm. Teenagers you just want to choke them. Mm -hmm. Um, Rex do we want to do final thoughts or do we kind of want to just uh, we can do final thoughts what's your final thoughts um, Asian man Uh, thank you guys thank you guys for having me this is the first podcast I've been a part of so like I said like you guys said I'm I'm a different one I'm not a content creator I hope to be one probably later in the future when Everything is not as hectic and busy in my life, but you know, I, I do. I, I I love the fact that you guys spread veteran awareness. I love it. You know, the experience and people who want to join, people who've already joined. You know, just to talk. Communication is so key into sometimes dispelling the hate and the the darkness in life right now, and just bring some positivity into the world. You know, especially you, Rex. That you, you know. You have only friends and family who are military and you're spreading this. I love that. I love how a civilian would be so cognitive of, of what, what goes through a veteran's life and what we've done, what, we've, what we're going through sometimes. I love it. Yeah. It surprises a lot of people that I'm a civilian running the podcast. Because, um, the most common question I get asked is what branch did I serve? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the same thing that went through my head when I saw you typing in the military chat. When he came on your podcast also, I was like, he, he didn't serve? I was like, what? <laughs> it's rare to find these people. I mean, my, my wife is one of them. She didn't serve and she supports the military 100%. You know? And I, I love her to death. Like, without, I'll tell you right now, spouses in the military, without you guys, like, it's a whole lot harder a lot harder dealing with things by yourself and you know and she's right next to me here and you know she knows it how much i love her and everything and if it wasn't for her like i i lost my mind a couple times already all right so we are going to write on to um pratishani he is also a vet she is a veteran that um i'm trying to get lined up a date for but we're having difficulties with that one but that's okay but we're gonna write into him Oh, thank you guys for showing up to Sam Arms episode 31. I am tired. Uh, we didn't get to one of the questions of Kay. I don't give a shit. I know what question he wants me to ask. He's going to see the duck walk. Did you do the duck walk? Yeah, we did the duck walk. <laughs> so you can, you can tell him that. Yeah, that duck walk was 